0: Hey y'all, it's Bowen here, and this is part of a series of conversations that I'm putting out on my Substack, which is called Decide Nothing. I love having the opportunity to work on the topics that I write about with other people, and so here you'll find us exploring subjects such as what it's like to be a man, how we become who we are, how to connect with intuition and the subconscious, relationships, love, sexuality, passion, purpose, addiction, and depression, and most of all, how to become ourselves as much as possible. In this episode, I'm talking with Bob Conlon. Bob is a relationship coach and a men's alchemist who I've come to know recently through Trevor Bohm's Man Uncivilized community. We begin our conversation with this idea of alchemy and then move on to talk about creating a conscious relationship with alcohol and with parts of ourselves, as well as the illusion of purpose and where it really comes from. How everyone we're in relationship with is our guru, his journey to fatherhood, and some of the unique aspects of the love of men. I really enjoy Bob's presence, and I think you'll find the conversation as interesting and worthwhile as I did. Pretty much what I do with this series of conversations is take the opportunity to get to know men that I love and respect more deeply.
1: And so that's what we're gonna do here today a bit with Bob. Welcome great to have you here yeah thanks for thanks for having me man and I can echo those sentiments too we come across certain people in our lives and there's just like that instant connection right that energetic exchange is just right there right up the bat and and when we first joined as a group I was like Bowen's one of my men you know <laughs> he's he's one of my guys you know so it, it's super cool to to be able to be a guest here and to be able to talk with you in this way in a you know more intimate manner
0: oh thank you thank you appreciate that. So to jump right in, you describe yourself as a men's alchemist. What do you mean by that?
1: My wife and I, we went through a very traumatic pregnancy. Um, My son's fine now. He's incredible. But during that time, it was very scary. We were given less than a 1% chance that he would survive. And during that time, I reached out to all kinds of healers, all kinds of support people, all kinds of mystics and mediums, you know, outside of just traditional therapy. And every single one of them had mentioned, and none of them are related at some point in a past life or who I am, or my spirit, my ancestors, I have been essentially an alchemist or a wizard or a magician, something of that nature. Right. And one of them said something that really hit home with me. And she was like, you can see a situation for what it is. And through your conversation, you can manipulate specific parts of that to change the outcome. And I was like, that's what a coach does. So it was like the, in this lifetime, I my expression of an alchemist is as a coach. And um, I was legit taking a shower one day and I had this huge, just divine download given to me that you need to have a men's group that's focused around turning the ordinary into extraordinary, supporting men in conversations that matter, getting them connected to their own gold their own power, their own brilliance, their own authenticity, their own vulnerability in service of a goal, right? In service of something that they actually want and yearn for in life. And boom, that's, you know, that's how I became the men's alchemist. And that's how um, the alchemy of men was born. Thank you.
0: Yeah. I love the, um, the whole concept of alchemy myself and really came across it through reading Jung and Mm -hmm. um, other related psychology and um, it, it's all about transformation, isn't it? The analogy or the metaphor of transformation of lead into gold is really about the psychic transformation, or
1: internal lead or our shadow.
0: So I love that, man. You're leading men in transformation of dark into light.
1: Yeah. 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 And we, we play off we play off of the, the traditional alchemical experiments like conjunction and calcination, uh, fermentation, we play off what the actual experiment is and then we you know, we transform it. What does this mean in a self-development conversation? For example, one of the experiments, calcination is where they heat up the substance to a very hot, very um, in a crucible. They, they just really blast it with heat till it starts to break down. And then the parts that the impurities or the friable parts of the substance fade away, like they break off. And like in the self-development realm, it's like really looking at when you mentioned it, like your shadow, like what are the parts of you that don't work for what you're up to, right? If you're up to building a business or if you're up to having the relationship of your dreams or being the most present loving father you could possibly be, what parts of you do you need to heat up a little bit and have break off and separate so you can actually look at them? So if you have a negative critical mindset, which we all do, right? If you have, um, any behaviors that don't support where you want to go, I like to look at that stuff. So it's really an opportunity to have in a vulnerable conversation about, bro, you know, what's working, what's not working for your life. And, and really the invitation is to take some responsibility for it and get to work. You referred to this
0: process of calcination and, uh, sounds like, yes, heating up in the crucible, you know, and what happens is, a, is again, a transformation, right? I'm, uh, you know, metamorphosis, just like when rock is subsumed down into the earth's crust, right? And is metamorphosed by the heat and pressure. For me, the process of um, kind of digging into my own shadow and dark material, you know, it's not so much about excising or burning away, although in some cases, yes, but also about, again, transformation and integration, right? Yes. In Integration. There's There's gold in them, our hills, right? There's so much gold in there, in in the dark, and we've got to do the work to transform the shadow, the dark material into gold, and then to integrate it. And I almost think of this image of eating the shadow, to consume it and digest it and integrate it, right, into... Into
1: something that serves us better. Yeah, I I love that. And and like the way I would say that, it's it's just building a relationship with that part of you, the critical part of you, the judgmental part of you, the part of you that judges yourself or others or your circumstances, like whatever it is, like it's to put it to the side, look at it. And it's not that that part's ever going to go away or that having it's bad, but you get to build a relationship with it and one that works. You know, one that works. Like that's not you. That's just a part of you. Nurture it or give it whatever it needs. And again, it's not going anywhere. You know, how can you take it and have it be catalyst for something like, oh, my head's really messy today. I need to go work out right now. You know, (laughs) I need to have I eaten? You know, do I need a nap? You know, have it have it be something that actually supports you.
0: Well, yeah, I also hear you talking about having the self-awareness to be able to zoom out from being within ourselves to be able to observe ourselves. That's such a key ability to cultivate, to have a relationship with ourself, right? As opposed to just being within. Well, there's a question. So is there something that you have in your own life developed a relationship with, you know, that, that, that wasn't conscious and that then became conscious and that you made more conscious?
1: Yes. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> yes. sure. I'm sure there is. You know, prior to my my own self-development journey, um, it really started when I, I got sober in 2007. You know, I'd always kind of been, even at a young age, around 9, 10, you know, I've been drinking and I found some drugs. And then, you know, fast forward 30 years, I'm horribly addicted to opiates. I'm you know using pills and you know heavy drugs as much as i can i'm drinking all the time and like my whole life just just shattered it was just destroyed and the invitation i guess you know i can mm-hmm. either continue down this path of destruction or i can transform and change who i am and for me that started with 12-step recovery and mm-hmm. one of the things i learned in that was you know what we might call your shadow your survival mm-hmm. mechanism or your inner critic like they talk about having character defects. So there's things within my personality that don't work for me. And they talk about one of the, the biggest uh, most damaging character defect is resentment is harboring resentment against people. Mm -hmm. And that was a brand new conversation for me. And I came to the point, you know, I was at that time, I was like 31, 32, and I'm 47 now. In that time when I learned about these defects of character and these resentments, I was like, I don't really have resentments. And then I actually stopped and I paused and I I looked in deep. And if any point in my life, if I had more than five-minute interaction with you, I had a resentment. You know, you have something that I don't have. You're going to take something away from me. When I got to learn how to release that resentment and just focus on my side of the street, yeah, man. And it, and it was like a game changer. You know, it's like, I didn't know I had these resentments. And then the next one was like fears. I'm like, I'm not afraid of anything. What are you talking about fears, bro? <laughs> man, you know, I was scared of everything and everyone, you know, and it was like, that was my first, you know, entryway into like the fear was, yeah, was, yeah. when
0: I really when I realized that fear is just a message. Mm hmm you know, in my own way for myself, that's the message I got. That changes the picture for sure. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. It was a, we got some real strong common experience here because I would have said the same thing if someone asked me about what I developed a conscious relationship with alcohol, same thing. And, you know, I didn't so much stop drinking, although I, I did as I healed or changed my relationship with alcohol. And that's exactly how i've i've come to put it because i that's you know i had to develop a relationship with it to and you know and with that part of myself to understand what was going on there um and once that became
1: clear it it allowed me to evolve totally yeah totally like um you know i learned that you know my my drinking and my drug use was just a symptom of something greater right like And the symptom for me was you know i had a spiritual malady i had a huge hole in my soul Mm -hmm. of feeling connected to something greater than me Mm -hmm. right and i I wasn't connected to my purpose my reason for living i wasn't connected to my values i was a you know rudderless boat Mm -hmm. getting thrown around life getting thrown around the ocean and having really no direction, no North Star, no compass. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I found that when I started my coaching work, mm-hmm. you know, I started my coaching mm-hmm. work by hiring a coach. I didn't even know what a coach was, I don't know what they did. Mm-hmm. And in four months, you know, I feel like some of my biggest uh, questions I had in life, I was able to answer.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful to hear, Bob. Thanks for sharing your story so openly. You know, that same experience building a conscious relationship with alcohol has been a, Very powerful evolution and transformation in my own life. And in fact, working with people on that conscious relationship with alcohol was the inspiration for me to start my own coaching practice. You brought in um, something else that I always love to talk about, which is purpose, which is one of these bugbears for men and for people in general. It certainly was for me. For most of my life, I felt like, well, if I could only, you know, follow your dream, man, or just focus on your purpose, and I'd be like, I don't fucking know what it is. So, what are you talking about? Made me angry, really. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, if I just knew, well, sure, I'd do that. But you know, what do I do if I don't know? And so, in a way, it was a concept that I kind of rejected, you know, and then Mm -hmm. came to build a bit of a relationship with and and redefine it in my own way so how how do you think about purpose and you know what it is and where it comes from
1: purpose can come from us in you know one of two ways um one it's just something that we're born with it it was divinely given to us like we were born from you know and from day one we knew why we were here we knew why we were put on this planet and um our life has followed that path. And and I think that's, that's more rare, right? You know, I think of people like maybe Mother Teresa, you know, she probably had that experience, you know, like knowing why she was here. For me, and, and most people I think I, I do this work with is, um, I, I discovered my purpose along the way throughout the way I've, I've lived my life. It's something I actually learned. And it's something I discovered along the way. And part of that was like, you know, like when I would fall into certain jobs or I would fall into certain relationships or conversations with people, like, I was like, man, this feels like I'm on the path or this feels good to me, or this feels aligned. There Mm -hmm. was like an inner knowing and inner Mm -hmm. intuition that got sparked and lit up, you know, so for anyone listening, like, what is that in your life? Are you, is it a certain activity? Is a certain person that you're with Is a certain, um, type of job that you've worked, like, take a look there. But You know, for me it was, you know, being in a specific conversation of, Mm. you know, why are you here? You know, what do you what comes to mind when you think why you're here? You know, what is the experience that you want to have on the planet? You know, imagine the whole the whole planet gets to have that experience as well. What is that then like? And it's kind of like a distillation process where you, you come down to a word or a phrase, and you know, for me, like my purpose is simply to make a difference. That's so broad, right? And that's the point too, is like I think it has to be broad because it's gonna allow for more possibilities. I was just gonna say that makes it
0: possible. It makes it possible. Yeah, yeah possible. man. Like
1: <laughs> how can I make a difference in my son's life yeah. today? How can I make a difference with my wife? Mm-hmm. You know, how can I make, make a difference with my clients or in my business mm-hmm. or in the world, my community, mm-hmm. right? The people I'm privileged to serve. It's more yeah. open and vast versus pigeonholing you into a, this is the only action and specific thing I need to do to live my purpose. Yeah. Like that's gonna wear out, man. You know. Well,
0: and and something else you you said there. There's um, you know, something you said along the way is about purpose being something that emerges along the way. Yeah. And, and was that your experience? Yes, absolutely. You know. Yeah. And for me, the way I think about purpose, you said this too. You said that it's about feeling like you're on the right path. What I've come to know about my own purpose at any given time is that the feeling of having purpose is the result of being on the right path, not the other way around. And so then the question becomes, well, how do I know I'm on the right path? For me, that comes from having some sort of personal philosophy, some guiding principles, some idea of, and you said this too, some idea of how I want to live my life, right? And so the singular nature of purpose i think is is quite a bit illusory right mm. that purpose is really more just like life itself more of a path and not an object and that as we develop guiding principles for ourselves like you said this question of how do i want to live how do i want to feel who are the you know the people that i want to surround myself with right What makes me feel good if I'm doing things that make me feel good? And if I set a course right and then steer when according to those principles as the opportunities arise, then that feeling of having purpose will arise from that. And, you know, at times it will arise and kind of manifest more in more concrete form, like, okay, my purpose feels like right now to do this. And other times it may be much more nebulous, but all the while I know that I'm steering a a course that feels right. And that, that that to me is about, you know, is what purpose is, is about.
1: Beautiful, man. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me when I, my wife and I were, you know, we're trying to get pregnant for about a year, um, you know, not having a lot of success with it. And then, um, you know, like a big part of wanting to have a child was to make a difference in that child's life, right. To nurture, love and support them, give them maybe what I didn't get. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, just grow and nurture a being. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I was in a, I was in a leadership, uh, workshop and, you know, we were talking about, you know, purpose and things like this. And I was like, why am I waiting for my own child to make a difference in a child's life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And it was just mm -hmm. like this light bulb moment Mm -hmm, for me. And mm -hmm. man, I left, I left that retreat and, um, signed up for big brothers, big sisters. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I mentor this like kick-ass cool little boy, you know, I've been with him for about three years now. And, Mm -hmm. um, that wouldn't have happened if I wasn't in a conversation about Mm -hmm. purpose, Mm -hmm. you know, like I wouldn't have even done that. And like, I think about the difference that me just being in this boy's life has made, I mean, not only for him, but for me, you know, for me as well. So Mm -hmm. again, like that, you know, that opened up possibility.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. Well, you brought in another subject that is uh, important to me the question of becoming a father or not. Um, You know, I'm 52. I'm not a father. I have chosen many times through the course of my actions to not become a father and i'm very happy with who i am and how my life is and yet i will say that and i've Mm -hmm. written quite a bit about this if you ask me what my core wound is it's right there it's about fatherhood about of course you know my own experience with my own father you know going back to that but then you know about this question of not being a father for me and and missing that even though i'm happy as is you know and there's something that i learned in writing about this and researching for my own writing and straight from the us census data that only 60% of american men become fathers wow
1: that's a huge statistic yeah right
0: isn't that just kind of mind blowing yeah. it turns out that that's just the number for both men and women only 60% more or less of adult American men and women have children, you know, become fathers or mothers. So it's not exclusive to men. But I would have thought that number was far lower based on my experience in in men's groups and with other men and that sort of thing. So how did you decide or end up becoming a father? And, you know, what, what did you consider along the way?
1: And what did you learn along the way? I spent my whole life telling myself I don't want to have children. My my father passed away when I was seven years old. Um, you know, I have nothing but fond memories of him, but that left a huge wound is still impacting my life today, 40 years later, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think in the background, there was certainly a part of me like, I don't ever want to do that to a child. You know, I don't ever want to leave a child. I don't want to die young. I don't want to leave a, you know, leave, leave a child fatherless. Like, in hindsight, like I had no idea that's what was there, but you know, and uh, what that looked like in my twenties and thirties was like, yeah, no way I'm not having kids, too, risky. too much work, too risky. Or, you know, like I haven't found a woman I actually want to have kids with, or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to be a rock star, you know, like whatever. I, I tell myself a bunch of stories and, and um, you know, up until meeting my wife, I didn't, I didn't want to have children and I've, you know, I've been with my wife around six years, you know, we met later in life and I was in my forties. She was in her late thirties when we met. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we are very much like hundred percent all in, in our relationship and, and, you know, we love each other dearly. You know, we've been connected in previous lifetimes. Like, you know, our love has spanned the the cosmos. Right. Mm-hmm. And, And it wasn't until I met her where I was like, do I want to have kids, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. I looked at her and it's like, you know, having the full, the fullest expression of life, Mm -hmm. right. The full experience of life in my mind requires having a, a child and the fullest expression of my love for this woman is to parent with her, is to create a being based on our love for each other. And that's what had me like start to be open to the idea of becoming a father. And we were both kind of in that same, like we both felt the same way essentially. And, Mm -hmm. and we, we came to the point where like, let's try. And if it happens, cool. And if it doesn't, at least we can say we tried. Mm -hmm. And then, like I said, you know, it took about a year, you know, she woke me up one morning super early. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you waking? You know? And she she had a present wrapped for me and you know, it was her positive pregnancy test. Nice.
0: Yeah. I
1: couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Mm. Um, because you know, you spend your whole life trying to not get someone pregnant, right, right. and then you do, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you know, so um, you know, I think I had her take like three other tests over the next couple of days, but like here it was, like, oh my god, I'm gonna be a father. It's the hardest thing I have ever done, you know, and it's the mo it's the most beautiful thing. There is like a a question I don't have to ask anymore, Mm. you know, which was kind of the thing for me. Mm. I'm here. I've arrived, you know, I'm a father and I got to figure out what that means. Mm. Right. I got to figure out what it's like to, to nurture, raise and love and teach this little being Mm. what it means to be a man himself. Right. And it's a trip, man. Mm. It's a trip. Like I, I joke that my, my son is my greatest coach he's my best coach and he's the biggest mirror mm-hmm. to reflect back to me who i'm being mm-hmm. and it's it's a tall order it's a tall you know <laughs> it's a tall order. you know, some someday you know i don't want to show up some days and there's no days off the other component of it too i think which has been huge for my wife and i is us learning together what it means to be parents because mm-hmm. that's a whole mm-hmm. other dynamic mm-hmm. that we in a relationship in. Yeah. yeah that we're bouncing through now you know mm-hmm. you know we're lovers friends we're also you know business owners together um we're man and wife and then now we're co-parents if i said like i knew i wanted to be a father my whole life and i made a very strong conscious choice to be one it's not that mm-hmm. you know i was like mm-hmm. if it's meant to be it's meant to be mm-hmm. let's try at least we can say we tried you know and then we got pregnant mm-hmm. you know and You know, our path to becoming parents was one of the scariest, most tumultuous things either of us went through. Like we almost lost our son during the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. He had less than 1% chance to survive. Um, He had like a 95% chance that he would have debilitating medical Mm -hmm. issues. Um, My wife was hospitalized for three months during COVID on her back. I couldn't go see her. We had a story about what we were going through go viral. Um, You know, so there's like millions of people like... (laughs) hearing about our story you know was just like oh is this meant to be and it's like talk about the crucible bro yeah like and the one the one thing i learned through all this like the day i was born Mm -hmm. i was my son's father you know and it took me my whole Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. to accept it and the crazy thing about all this man is my son will be the same age i was and i will be the same age my dad was when he passed away
0: Well, something aligned there for sure. (laughs) Right,
1: totally. So it's like I get to be the father that I yearned for for my son. Again, we have some, some story
0: in common and also that your path to fatherhood feels like an unfolding of the experience of love. We're able to form a really strong, deeply loving relationship and that it emerged from that. You know, there's something that you just reminded me of, which is that everyone we're in relationship with is our guru, yeah, right? Your son, your wife,
1: you—you're my guru. You
0: know, yep. I'm your guru. Maybe you know what I mean. Everybody. Yep.
1: So how, like, how have you, or how do you navigate like that—that that father question for for yourself? Mm.
0: I wrote a long piece about this recently to explore that question more deeply um, and to share what I found. My story there is that you know I I've, I always felt you know open to the idea but it was kind of conceptually open you know I I, I it felt very distant to me mm-hmm. I certainly didn't feel ready um in my let's say my my 30s I mean let alone my 20s sure. even in my 30s so yeah. I didn't really feel ready to become a father and I did have plenty of opportunities to do so um you know, relationships that, you know, were stable enough or were headed in the right direction. When I think about who I am and sort of what my core values are and how I've made decisions in life, you know, one of the key things for me is to observe the animal in the wild, right? Mm-hmm. Let's observe the animal in the wild. What behaviors does the animal exhibit, right? <laughs> Did I become a father, you know, in my 30s? No, I did not. Therefore, I made a lot of choices not to, consciously, but mostly unconsciously. Now, does that mean that that was the only path for me? No, certainly. You know, I mean, I there's another path in life where I'd be quite happily a, and a good father, um, and I'm I'm certain of that. But as much as I would like to be able to live all of the paths, right? And recently, it's felt like, man, I I need like five lives here going at once, you know, just to be able to do all the things (laughs) that I'd like to do. You know, (laughs) Um, I'm just so excited for life that, you know, I, you know, I need, I'd like more of it. The reality is of course that we only get one path and we can't do everything. We can't do everything. And so I can't become a father just to kind of see what it would be like. Um, Or I could, but that's not a choice that I've made. And I have come more and more to terms with the fact that I've, you know, that this is the path that I've chosen by way of my actions. Also this, that, you know, that if it was a higher priority to me, you know, again, then I I would have pursued it more directly, one way or another. And I feel only would be appropriate for me to become a father if I really felt like it was my number one priority. Still, it hurts me, even just now to say that, that it's not. Yeah. It hurts. Um, and so I have to live with the, you know, I do live with the reality that that both are true. Mm. And I think that's really the biggest lesson there is that, you know, that I can celebrate who I am uh, not being a father and also grieve for the, the fact that I'm not.
1: Yeah. Yeah, allowing space for both, right? Which is, I mean, so important in, in many things. And, you know, I think here even more so... And like, you know, maybe looking at ways in which you already are a father, mm. you know, that's the thing, it's like the being a father, mm. right? Mm. Like where in your life you are that already.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The father energy certainly comes through. Certainly the father energy certainly comes through in, in various places. And um, I admire the um, being a big brother and, you know, I've got some kids in my life and I enjoy those opportunities as they
1: come up. Yeah. It's good. It's good energy to run for sure. Yeah. 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 My wife and I have been in a a conversation around number two, you know, do we want another child? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, here we are three years older now and, you know, going through what we went through, do we want to sign up for that? And like, we've kind of, we came to the decision of we're done, Mm -hmm. you know, we're done at one. Mm -hmm. And, um, there is a part of me that feels that way too. Like I'm, I'm sad and I also want to celebrate, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like, like it hurts, Mm -hmm. you know, and and there's also a chance to celebrate. And it's such a, it's such a good camera. I literally scheduled my consult for a vasectomy this morning. So this uh, is, yeah. yeah. And even in that, I'm like, Oh man, like there's, there's some grief in that. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, that's coming up for me. And like, this is not just me going and getting a procedure. Like it seems very much more significant. You
0: know, one of my, axioms is both are true and being able to hold both truths uh, is so important in in many, many contexts. And this is certainly one of them.
1: Yeah. It's like that, that word bittersweet, Mm -hmm. you know, has some, some meaning there too. And I think it's such a courageous place to be, to allow yourself to feel the full spectrum of it all. Like, oh, you should only be sad about it, Mm -hmm. you know, or you should only be happy or celebratory about it. But actually like, no, like I'm happy that it's this and I'm also sad mm-hmm. you know it's both yeah yeah
0: yeah thanks for seeing that I appreciate that yeah yeah but yeah. um, well, let's bring it back to love it's come up in in many ways already sure. and one of the things I've been thinking about and writing about lately is the love of men and the you know the unique kind of flavors and textures and ways. Of loving that are unique to men, um, mm-hmm. or that not be unique to men at all. Um, uh, but being a man, you know, that's my experience. And so, this question has come up for me: of you know, are th- are there ways of loving, flavors and textures, kind of, yeah, ways of loving that are unique to men, or that come up for you more as a man and between. Men.
1: I mean, one thing I've come to the realization of is like I've I've resisted that you know love from men my whole life because um, I didn't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have it. It was awkward and uncomfortable for me. Men were men were scary. Men were dangerous. Um, you know, and like I just gravitated towards the feminine. I gravitated towards towards women. Um, I'm way more comfortable in a room full of women than I am men. Mm-hmm. That's just a growing edge for me. It's really cool. One of the things I've experienced in being in, in the men's group with you bone is like, you know, I've been leading men's groups for quite a while now. I've been working with men in this capacity for quite a while and I haven't been a participant. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been the leader all along, yeah. which is another place for me to hide mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Um, You know, I have a role to perform. Mm-hmm. Right. And being a participant in a men's group, you know, I remember after, after the first evening, I was like, you know, I went in there with kind of some um, some notions on what I was going to get and what I was going to give. And, um, you know, I was kind of there with the mindset of like, I'm here to like, take, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm here to like, just get what I need, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, watching men from a participant side, like share vulnerably and open up and crack and love each other essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I was like, Oh my God, I've needed this for such a long time. I've needed this, like this brotherhood, this, this group of men who like are growing, who are striving to become better men, you know, better leaders, better husbands, better fathers. Um, and it was such an incredible place to be. And like one of the second or third group or something, I was just sharing how I was like wiped. you know, I was exhausted. I was tired. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the participants was like, Bob, when are you going to bed? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like very stern, like, mm-hmm. you know, go to bed, dude. Let me know when you go. I equated it to like, you know, like a, a little toddler having a temper tantrum. And then like, you kind of come up and pat him on the butt and be like, hey, <laughs> knock it off it was that, um, experience for me. And I was like, this was that dude loving me. Mm -hmm. You know, he was being the container, the strong masculine presence, the, the father essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I think that that's, that's what's available. And I don't think most men realize that they need and want that, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think men are freaking lonely, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's something that can only come from being in another group of men. Right. Like we've lost that male initiation, right. In our culture, we've lost an experience where you go on your vision quest, you know, <laughs> or like where, where the tribe goes and teaches you what it means to be a man and, and what it means to live with intention and purpose. like so it's like being held, being, being nurtured, being taught, being mentored, you know, and, and that's, it's, it's been a beautiful experience, man. And one that I didn't think I wanted or needed, but one that I'm so, you know, so graciously cherishing.
0: I don't know you know, if there are ways of loving that are unique to men or sort of more of the masculine, really. I think so much of these distinctions that we've had over the last sort of several centuries between sort of what is mas- more masculine, what's more feminine, what's more of men, what's more of women, I think a lot of those distinctions are breaking down. And I kind of think there are some things that are more of the experience of men, but I, I don't know because there's more that I dig into it it's like well of course so these things are all experience experiences of all of us you know and this holding that you mentioned is something that i would have said too that kind of the holding of of someone the container this father energy you know that that's a masculine way of loving and yet of course mothers do that too and so not to contradict you i'm just exploring the idea you know
1: yeah, I agree, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, totally. Here's the question, or the the insight that led me to ask the question, because the the first thing that I'd say is is that it's truth, truth telling. You know that truth telling is a way of loving um, that, at the very least, that men need more of. Now um, we that we all need more of, and the core reason that truth telling either is or should be more a part of the way that men love, is because of the core falsehood that we have perpetuated for so long that men don't need love. Basically, my idea is that we need men to love most of all with more truth so as to be able to heal this wound of a lack of male love. Right. Or anything. Or anything. (laughs) Exactly. And so... One of the ways, you know, that we can love each other is to undo that falsehood by telling the truth to each other that we need love, we need to love each other, and we need, uh, you know, a fuck ton of other things, too.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's astounding, like, the amount of men I talk to when I ask that question, you know, what do you need? Mm -hmm. And they're like, nothing. I'm good. I'm fine. Yeah, right. (laughs) You might be really? find. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. what do you need, bro? you know, and um I love that you framed it up that it's you know when it comes down to it, it's love, mm-hmm. you know, like it being okay to want and give and receive love in a way that matters, mm-hmm. like it's um it it's a critical you know it's it's a critical human experience, um let alone just an experience of being a man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah yeah well I, I saw that in you. From the beginning, and um, you know that you're attuned to to love, and yeah, and that it shows in who you are.
1: Yeah, man, I I feel that I receive that mm-hmm. totally, man. Well, you know, one of my um, you know one of my parts of my why statement is to be a beacon of love, yeah. um, and to hear that that that's you know being experienced. Uh, <laughs> really lights me up, yeah. man. So thanks for good, that. Good, good. Love you. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right on. Good to see you. Good to see you that way. Yeah. All right. Well, I've got a couple of closing questions, but before we get to those, I want to make sure people know how to find you out there on the internet.
1: Yeah, sure. So website is conlincoaching.com. That's C-O-N-L-I-N coaching.com. Bob Conlin on Facebook and then an Instagram at relationship underscore alchemist. And also if you Google my name, um you'll get to read a lot of stories about my son and my wife and all we went through to get him here on the point.
0: so beautiful yeah. yeah yeah thanks for for being open to share that experience too more broadly yeah, yeah all right well here's a fun one as we move towards closing now and then i just run across somewhere in the world that i just like you know how this man is how he shows up how he walks how he speaks how he talks how he writes um, his presence, right? His mm, presence,
1: yeah. Can you have an example of someone like that for you? The first person came out, it, it's a guy I met through, um, you know, my coaching community, Linnell Harris. He's a phenomenal coach, he's a father, author, radio talk talk show host uh i got to actually run into him this weekend and i was like sharing what you just asked to my wife i was like man there's just something about him like every time i'm around him I, you know he makes me feel good his energy just like envelops you mm-hmm. <laughs> the next question i asked my wife was like what's my energy like you know am i like that and she's like in a different way
0: <laughs> but you know um <laughs> do have sort of a celebrity crush you could say yeah yeah <laughs> on uh Ian, yeah. Ian mcgregor nice I don't know if you've ever heard him Speak or seen his his personal like motorcycle documentaries, yeah, but you know when he's just hanging yeah. out with his friend Charlie, right, and he's like right around the world right around the world, yeah. and like half the time he's in he's got a tear in his eye, you know, and he's just saying how much he loves his friend Charlie, you know, or his kids or or just talking about his experience and just how beautiful it is wherever he is, you know, and yeah, that more of that,
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. it's good to
0: have good examples, you know, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, to like to live into or strive to be or to learn from, man. You know, that's another thing like we need we need men to learn from and to to be taught and to be mentored and yeah, to show us the way.
0: Well, you're helping to do that for me and I appreciate that so much, Bob. It's great to have this conversation with you today.
1: Likewise, brother. Yeah, so good to be here. Um yeah, good good to chat with you and get to know you a little bit more in this this way, man. It's um it's good to have men connected to their hearts and connected to what matters and having conversations like this it's important Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. it is my chest is full here speaking with you
1: yeah yeah real pleasure
0: thanks again for the time all right that was awesome i really appreciate bob's strong direct positive loving way of being and him sharing his personal stories about alcohol purpose and fatherhood Thanks again to Bob Conlon for joining me today. And remember that you can find him at conloncoaching.com and as Relationship Alchemist on Instagram. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please do share it with a friend and make sure you're subscribed at decidenothing.substack.com where all of my writing and audio lives. And most of all, if this brought something up for you, If you felt something, if you have a reaction, if you have some thoughts or suggestions about topics you'd like to see me explore in the future, please do leave a comment there on the Substack site, and of course you can also reach me by email or on social media. Thanks again for being here, and I hope you tune in again soon.